Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. So just before we do get into today's episode, I just wanted to do an acknowledgement of country. So I'm based just out in the west side of Melbourne. So I'm on the lands of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I also would like to acknowledge that I'm fortunate to live, work and play on the lands of the Ghana. So I live and am recording this from Adelaide. So would like to also acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Well, actually, not just another episode. It is actually our 100th episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. You've got Dan Bentley here. You've got Tracy Newman here. We're the duo that has done this for for a lot of episodes now, and we're here to do another one with you today. Trace, how are you? I am absolutely so excited, and I know I say this all the time, but this time I'm really excited because... 100 episodes, as you were introducing the podcast just then, I was mirroring your words in my head because I'm like, it's not just another episode, it's the episode, 100 episodes. Wow, that is just incredible. I'm blown away by our being able to string together 100 episodes. I think it's just so amazing. Yeah. Do you reckon uh, if we had a, you know, an episode number five, thought we'd get to 100? I don't know. Do you think we would have done it? To be honest, I don't think my heart would have been able to cope because I remember being terrified for probably at least the first 10 episodes every time it was my turn to speak and not being able to hear myself. Um, thankfully, I have a, a really lovely colleague who uh, does the editorial checks of the podcast before they go live because I just simply wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I actually went back and listened to our preview episode, which was the first thing we ever recorded, and our voices just sound different. Yeah, I, def- I definitely didn't think we sound as relaxed as what we did as we do now. And it was interesting, though, because I guess in that episode, we, we talked about what we wanted to get out of doing the podcast. And what's been really fantastic is, is that it's kind of organically just become what it is today. It's kind of just kept on growing and growing, and we've had different guests approach us, and we've approached different guests, and it's kind of just turned into what it is after 100 episodes. But going back and listening to that episode, the preview episode, which I have not listened to in a long time, it was so cool to see that those things joined up. So we did talk about, you know, shining the spotlight and innovation in the sector. We wanted to share best practice and get these guests on board. We wanted to share our expertise as consultants. And, you know, I really feel like we've been able to do that, which has been, uh, which is pretty exciting. So I probably would have thought, geez, 100 episodes, that's almost two years worth of episodes uh, and not missing a Monday morning of release either, which is pretty good. You know, that's like I think if you've been to the gym every day for a year or something, it kind of feels like one of those real disciplined efforts that uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a streak. And, uh, yeah, pretty proud that we've been able to be that consistent and that we've been able to have so many amazing people listen to and support this podcast. I think that's what has really made it all worth it. Look, if somebody had have told me that we would have some of the guests that have been so generous with their time and their learning and their expertise on this podcast when we very first started, 
I would have been super excited. I remember you and I putting together this list, our wish list of like, you know, imagine all the amazing people across Australia that worked in this sector. Imagine if we got some of them on our podcast. And I have to say, there's probably only about two or three people who are still left on that list that we haven't been able to catch up with as yet. I know that that is crazy. Some of the guests, I was actually looking through all of our episodes earlier, and I and I was thinking exactly the same thing. Like, wow, I can't believe that some of these people, some of them reached out to us to come to come on the show, not uh, us reaching out to them. Some of them, I mean, I, I won't say exactly who, but some of them were people that we'd been sort of like talking to their assistants and talking to their PR teams, etc., to try and get somebody from that organisation on the podcast, and we we're just getting nowhere. And then all of a sudden, that individual or somebody else in a similar role has reached out to us and said, actually, can I be on your podcast? We're like, absolutely. We've been trying to get you guys on the show for some time. So I love it when things like that happen. It was just meant to be. Uh, the first half of you didn't work, but we got there eventually and that's what counts. Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. Like some of the the growth of the podcast too, each week it, it is growing and um, we're getting more and more listeners. And when we first started out, you know, it was very Australian focused and, and it, still, it still is in its content, but our listener base has, has grown over that period. It's now, I think it was like 90-something percent for the first like 30 episodes were Australian-based listeners and now it's only 68% are in Australia. And that's not that that Australian audience has shrunk. It's the Australian audience has grown a hell of a lot, but we've also started to get some international listeners, a lot of international listeners. And majority of those are in the EU. Germany is a, is a big one and also a couple of the Scandinavian countries. And then we've also got a fair few listeners in the US. So, Thanks to all of you people, no matter where you are located in the world, to uh, for listening to us. Um, we've managed because of you. We've managed to to also in the one hundred episodes be number one in Australia. A lot of times we do sit in that position most of the time in the not for profit podcast charts. That is, uh, we've also managed to be number one in uh, New Zealand, South Korea, and also South Africa as well. So that's because uh, you lovely people tune in every week and, and have also been working through our back catalogue too. So that, that all helps us um, to get up there. So yeah, one of the things as well that we uh, would love to do too is that we always love to know where our listeners are from and what they get out of the podcast. We've had a number of people in the last couple of months start reaching out to us and, and telling us and that really helps us to get feedback around, are we on the right track with what we're, we're putting out there? But it also helps us as well to get new ideas as well around well, where can the podcast evolve to. So yeah, we'd love it if, if you'd just like to connect with us on LinkedIn. We'll put our personal um, LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. Connect with us, send us a message saying, I'm a podcast listener. We'd love to know who is listening, even more of those people, especially some of those people that are overseas. Uh, I think we, we know a fair few of the Australian listeners because they've reached out or we've worked with them or they're clients or friends and those sorts of things but uh yeah we'd love to know from anyone really um yeah who you who, who is listening out there and, and what you're getting out of it and maybe what you'd like to see more of because um that can help us for our next 100 episodes the other thing that i'm always really chuffed about is the fact that some people have even taken the time out to write some reviews and it's always lovely to receive those they're like a little thank you note i think that you get in the mail it's kind of the the podcaster equivalent of that. So it's really lovely. So if you do listen regularly and have the opportunity to write a review, we would really love that. Yeah. So yeah, one of the what I mentioned earlier, one of the original ideas for this podcast was to shine a bit of a, a light on innovation in this sector. When we hear about innovation in the world, people don't often think about not-for-profits. They often think about tech startups in Silicon Valley, corporations, places that have got the resources to go and spruik what they're doing and 
put that up on a big stage and attract a lot of funding and which gets a lot of PR, et cetera. We know from working in this sector for some space that there is some some really bloody innovative stuff happening in this sector. And that was always our goal was to highlight that. And I think just a big learning for me has just been how easy it's been to uncover innov- stories of great innovation. There is just so much that's happening and, you know, whether it's us approaching people and asking them, what have you been up to and what would you like to talk about? And people going, oh, I've got like 20 different things I could mention. We have to sort of go, all right, let's just choose one of them because they're doing so many great innovative things. It has just really exceeded our expectations, I think, on on what's really happening out there. It's really been great to be able to share those stories with you as our audience. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, really stood out for me as well. Not so much just that there are so many people doing great innovative things, but how many different things they're actually doing as well. And when we're talking to people, so often the, the conversation goes, oh, and we're, we're also doing this. Oh, and shall I talk about this? And we've also got this going on. And it's quite impressive and really quite exciting for us to get to hear every single week these types of stories. It is. And I think as well what makes this sector really innovative is that when people are doing these innovative things, they're doing it with a lot of constraints and that's what's something that makes it just so much more amazing is some of the achievements that are coming out of this space is that we're not just, you know, a really well-resourced organisation who's trying to sell more of something. We're actually trying to solve real social problems that are very complex in their nature, requires a lot of collaboration between lots of different types of people and organizations to change these things. And they're really quite tough things to, to change. And people are doing this with not enough people. You know, they're under-resourced in terms of um, having you know, enough people in the organization. They don't have sometimes the funding that they're required to have. They um, have got a lot of constraints in terms of what they are and aren't allowed to do. It's really, really tough work and I, and I just think that's been a real standout for me hearing these stories. There's always a lot of these constraints but these organisations that are innovative still get it done despite those constraints and sometimes those constraints is actually what made them have to be even more innovative in the first place. Yeah, and look, that was a really big learning for me as well and it makes sense when you think about it because if you've got all of the resources that you need, then quite often you'll just go down the well-trodden path. You know, you'll do the thing that you know is going to work because it's available to you. However, when you've got those constraints, you do really need to be creative about how you bring something together. And you called it out as well, that collaboration. So often we hear about collaboration, but you're not really you know, it, it's one of those things that people seem to talk about should be happening. However, what we're seeing is that it's happening on so many different levels and in so many unexpected places. And it's so heartwarming to see how these different organizations are, are working really closely and aligning and really bringing that sort of systems thinking approach to the work that they're doing. It's quite impressive, I find, because it's that totally different mindset. And you can really see uh, with the conversations that we have, the people who are really bringing this approach to their work, it's it's really inspiring. Again, I feel really privileged that I get to hear these conversations and, and have these one-on-one conversations with these really clever and incredible people each week. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. 
visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. Yeah, look, we, we all know collaborating to solve the challenge that we face is the way to go and it is the future, yet it is just so nice to hear that so many organisations are just doing this so well. I think that's been the, the real highlight for me is just, yeah, each week just hearing so many great stories of organisations collaborating, governments collaborating, you know, um, individuals collaborating within organisations, across organisations. You know, there's just so many different variations of that and you know when we do that sometimes we don't feel as under-resourced when we can pull our resources together towards a common goal i think that's a, a real learning that i've taken out of this the other the other one too that i've noticed is a real trend through um, speaking to a lot of our different guests is a lot of organizations have similar types of challenges in terms of all the things that i mentioned earlier in terms of those constraints but the best leaders in this space are the ones that don't use those as blockers they actually say, well, what can I do with the resources I've got? And I think that makes a really big difference. You know, in our consulting work too, we do speak to all sorts of organisations and those that say, oh, look, sorry, we really want to do this but we can't do it because we don't have the, you know, the money or we don't have the staff at the moment, that it really doesn't help anyone when you have that mindset. It is being a bit of a victim of your situation. Like all those things are true. I know this might sound quite blunt, but it's on purpose. I know that all those things are true, but if you believe that, then you actually aren't going to to make a change. Whereas there's someone else in an organization down the road from you who has the same problems and they're getting stuff done. And so I think that's a real learning that I've taken out of this too is mindset plays a really big part in the ability for these organizations who we're interviewing to, to actually get stuff done and to change things because they've actually just said, I'm not going to let those constraints get in my way. I'm going to work out, out a way to push through, get what I need to get done for the people I support within those constraints. Yeah, and what I see, and no surprise at all, but it's really all about that mission. The people who are really focused on it and let's find a way to move closer to what we're out to achieve, no matter what's going on and no matter, you know, what situation I'm in, I really are the ones that we get to experience just doing really incredibly clever and incredibly meaningful work. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe what we might do now is just talk about some of the highlights from some of a few of the different guest episodes that we've had and some of the things that we've learned that have been quite surprising in terms of we didn't maybe expect to, to see this, but we're seeing it sort of come up a lot. So, Trace, did you want to maybe take us through some of your thoughts on that? Sure, yeah. We were a little bit like the guests that we talked to. You, there's been so many things that we learned that we thought, well, let's pull out some of the things that were a little bit unusual or a little bit surprising. So, I think the first one was slow down to speed up. So uh, we hear that as a theme coming through regularly. And I think the first time that it really hit hard for me was listening to Daniel Flynn talking about it at Thank You. And the exact terminology that he used was pressure off. And when he was talking about the people that he works with and how dedicated they are to making a, a difference and the risk that people will put too much pressure on themselves and try too hard and that that actually can have an impact 
And it was really eye-opening to hear that expressed in that way from an organisation that I've really admired from afar for so long. But it really resonated and it really hit home. And, And since then, I've thought about it in lots of other conversations that we've had. And we've had so many conversations where people have shared examples of this. I think in particular, when we talk about co-design, you know, people are actually taking that time to stop and speak with their community and deeply understand, well, what's important to you? What do you need? Building those strong relationships. It's such an important part of collaboration as well. And they're investing that time to get to know people, to build relationships, to build trust, but then they're actually progressing really quickly once they've spent that time building that trust and and building that right mindset. Yeah, I think something that I've sort of pulled out of a number of conversations we've had recently is, especially with that sort of slowdown to speed up when it comes to co-design, is that do you want to do your learning at the start or do you want to do your learning after you've implemented something? Are there your choices as a leader? And I think when you do slow down a little bit at the start to understand and do your learning around what the situation is and what people need by speaking to those communities and other stakeholders sort of that are operating in that system. Like you said, Trace, you are able to then just speed up and, and deliver something that you're really confident about. Whereas when you do it the other way, you may feel like you're getting started earlier, but you're actually in the scheme of things probably aren't going any faster. Yeah. And look, I get the temptation. Uh, We have this real bias for action and we all want to be able to achieve things. And and sometimes when we're working with people who are in really vulnerable situations, that pressure and that desire to make a significant difference really quickly is absolutely paramount. However, as Dan said, you just want to make sure that you're doing your learning nice and early when you've got lots of opportunity to pivot and change based on what it is that you're you're hearing and seeing. I really like that you've talked about learning because I think that one leads into the second surprising point that I've heard and that you and I have talked about is that whole how sometimes it's actually helpful if you either don't know much about what you're talking about or at least bring that learner's mindset to what you're doing and get really good at learning all about something as opposed to bringing your expertise into the conversation. And again, I think it was Tim Kuchuriak who talked about all of the things that he's learned about digital fundraising and so many of them were counterintuitive. And what he's got to the point now is he's just sort of says to himself, look, I realize now I don't know anything. (laughs) And he just takes that mindset into the work that he's doing. And instead of making an assessment or making a judgment, he'll just be, okay, well, let's test, let's find out, let's discover, as opposed to, you know, really bringing his knowledge into the conversation. Yeah, I mean, we see it in our work a lot too. We've worked with certain cohorts of people a lot. And so sometimes your brain just tries to do that thing where you're like, I reckon I know what's going to come out of this particular set of interviews, discussions, workshops, whatever it might be that we're facilitating. And you walk out of there at the end of it and just go, oh man, that was like nothing like I thought was going to happen. And I think our brains sometimes like to sort of like that predictability but you do need to sort of fight against that because you do get better outcomes. I think another great discussion that we had too that reminded me of what you were just talking about was with Pete Wilson from Determined 2 and how he was just sort of saying, I just sort of bring people in. I, I'm just the guy. You know, I didn't finish school. I don't really know that much about this business stuff at the start, but what I did was I just spoke to heaps of people. 
and I just got them together and I got them to sort of tell me about what they need. And I said, yeah, I can do that for you and I'll try that out. And he just had this mindset of just being almost a facilitator in a way of making things happen rather than that person that's like, I've got all the ideas. And I think, yeah, that sort of a mindset is something you really need in this innovation space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, building off of what you were saying about mindset, that's one of the the really enjoyable mindsets that I've discovered. And that is that real playfulness and the sense of fun and the importance of bringing that sense of fun and playfulness into the work that we're doing. I think sometimes, again, serious work, really important outcomes, but you've got to also, I think, counter that with that lightness and fun and enjoyability so that we can, I guess, take our work really seriously, but not necessarily take ourselves. And I think um, Robin was a, a great example of that. You know, when she was sharing some of the different ways she talks about impact at Who Gives a Crap, I mean, it is really helpful that they have this beautiful brand that gets to talk all about, you know, toilets and bums and all of the things that we all giggle at. But, you know, dressing up and doing all sorts of different ways where she can talk about the impact of the work that Who Gives a Crap are doing and sharing it in ways that are innovative and fun and really get people's attention because it's that spirit of novelty and the importance of adding that novelty into the work that we do to really keep people engaged. Yeah, I think if you look at, you know, innovation, what it really is at the end of the day is is a change process as well, right? And so we we do need to bring people along on that journey. And whilst what we're doing is important work and we're all very serious about that work, is that like you said, Trace, we do need to capture their attention and we also do need to make sure that, that they are following. And if we do that in fun and entertaining ways, we're a hell of a lot more likely to engage with people where they are. Whereas if we do that in a very dry, numerical sort of way, and sometimes this, some people might be like, this is amazing, but others would just be like, kind of like, you know, tune out a little bit. So yeah, having that little bit of fun, grabbing their attention, doing things that are relevant to your audience. I think all those sorts of things make a really big difference. I think it's also really important for the welfare of our people. When you consider Starlight, they also bring a really great sense of fun to the work that they do. And it is, again, it's work that could be really impactful on the people who are, you know, I mean, when you're supporting sick children, I'm sure there are many times where that work is really, really difficult. But because they're so focused on bringing fun and bringing that laughter into people's lives, it's a great way of being able to make sure that you're taking care of your people as well and making sure that you're giving them permission to bring that joy into their work rather than, you know, feeling like they have to be really sensible and and dry all the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think at the end of the day, we're so much more creative when we're having fun. That's the reason why, you know, when we do these ideation sessions, we bring in lots of colour and we try and come up with some ideas that are a bit zany and a little bit out there. And and it is about, you know, trying to find ways of engaging people's sort of childhood curiosity, because then that's what gets all of those neural pathways working and and sort of reduces some of those barriers and then that's what allows you that sort of time and space to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that just is a, a few different things that we've been able to pull out of our 100 episodes. Uh, there were so many. Uh, we really did have to sort of sift through a lot of the information and sort of just choose a few. But 
Yeah, we've been, like we said at the start, we've been so grateful for all of our listeners on this journey to 100, uh, for all of our amazing guests that have shared their experiences and knowledge with all of you and us. Um, You know, we've learned so much through these 100 episodes and we're really looking forward to another 100 episodes with all of our our next series of guests and also uh, you lovely listeners who tune in every week. So um, thank you so much. Like we said at the start, we'd love to hear from you. It's always great to know. Uh, who is listening out there. So we will chuck our LinkedIn profiles in the show notes where you can just click through and um, yeah, connect with us and let us know you're a podcast listener. That would be unreal. But yeah, thank you so much once again and we'll catch you all in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.